0: trust that. Um, Hey, for the last several weeks, we have been going through marks of a healthy church, and we went through ecclesiology and study of the church, and then we specifically looked at uh, the offices of the church, elders and deacons, for a couple of weeks, and then we've been going through our four G's, and we've taken them out of order. If you've been with us any amount of time you know that there is an order gather grow give and go is how we say it but we took them out of order so we have done gathering and because of the missions conference last week we did going and uh, this week it will be on giving and if you know anything about north hills ryan is supposed to be up here doing this uh, this is his role. Not not really, uh, but it seems like it has always fallen that way that Ryan has uh, been able to teach on this aspect. And as we've gone through this in different settings, uh, in different times at North Hills, uh, we have in general talked about giving. And when we talk about giving at North Hills, it is not just one specific thing. We are talking about giving of ourselves, giving of our time and talents, and yes, our finances. Uh, But when we have talked about that in the past, like it is in general giving totally, giving of our lives um, for the sake of the gospel. And that is what we are about when we say giving. Um, However, most of the time, in most of those settings, the questions that we get from people, uh, and if you've set in a connection group, um, there's almost always a question related to financial giving, and that is where our hearts tend to race to. Uh, it, it is something tangible that we can hold on to and look at, and so when we get, talk about giving, that's where a lot of our mind and our heart Turns to because it is something to grab on. It is something tangible, and uh, we have not, in my recollection of our time at North Hills, not taken the time to center in on financial giving is, as a whole. Uh, and we've not taken the time necessarily to go back and see how giving has been from Old Testament into the New Testament and what our giving looks like as Christian giving under the New Covenant. And so this morning, I'm bit off a lot. Um, And so we are going to look at giving in the Old Testament. We're going to look at giving prior to the Mosaic Law, what it looked like at that time. We're going to look at giving under the Mosaic Law, and then we are going to put our focus on the New Testament and what that looks like for the Christian today under the new covenant what does Christian giving look like financially that's what we're going so I want you to hear that if you're visiting with us I hope if if you're a part of another church I hope that this is beneficial for you and you can take this back to your church if you're a unbeliever here this morning and just asking questions about who Christ is I hope that you hear about our Jesus who has given all who has sacrificed everything, and He is our once-for-all sacrifice. Um, the intention of today's sermon is not to get you to give to North Hills. The intention of today's sermon is not um, to, to see a tick in, in giving in the plate. Um, I don't care if you give. Um, that's not what I'm supposed to say, but uh, I care as your elder about your heart and um, as we're going to see this the giving of a Christian is the gospel being proclaimed in their life and uh, I hope and pray that the gospel is being proclaimed in your life even through financial giving and uh, that that is the heart today so um, North Hills you sitting here if if you will don't listen sporadically today um, I'd rather you not listen at all actually in instead of listening sporadically because if we if you hear some of this in the first half um, you may have missed the biblical conclusions that we're going to get to in when we get to the New Testament so try to stay with me we' are going to be from from the beginning to the end, almost. We're we're not going all the way to Revelation today. So, um, But we are going to be a lot in the Old Testament, and we're going to be a lot in the New Testament. So before um, we begin this morning, I'm going to read where we are going to end. And um, before we do that, let me pray for us. Father, this morning, um, as we open your word and see... Uh, your truths, God, I, I pray that that's what's heard. Uh, I pray that your uh, your word goes forth, that that people, that your children will hear and respond to it. Uh, God, and may no one look at the man in the pulpit this morning. May they hear your truth and your word. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right, if you would, turn to 2 Corinthians with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and I only have 5 pages of notes and it's in like 24 fonts so you know this is not extremely long here so if you will chapter 9 2 Corinthians verse 6 the point is this Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make grace abound to you, that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. So that is ultimately where we are going to end. But to get to where we understand uh, everything that is happening in this passage and in other New Testament passages, I believe we need to get an idea of what's happened in the history of God's people. And so, if you would, you can put a marker there if you want to. We'll eventually get back there, maybe an hour or two from now. And uh, Genesis, turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter 14. So here's the plan. We're going to look at giving in the Old Testament prior to... The Mosaic Covenant. And we're going to look at three things. We're going to look at three different options and I'm going to mention a fourth. And so there's going to be a lot of scripture today. I'm not going to read every single word that is dealing with this because we would be reading chapters at a time. Um, So write these down, and you can go back later this afternoon or this week and read some of this. But we're going to start with one of our favorite characters in the Bible, Mystery Mail. Um, Genesis chapter 14. If you uh, were here a couple years ago, we went through the book of Genesis, and if you... Uh, if any of this piques your interest in here, uh, those sermons are online. I invite you to go listen to those. Um, Melchizedek is an interesting figure in Scripture, and um, we labeled him Mystery Mel. And so we see in chapter 14, Abram, who will later become Abraham, um, when we get to verse 17, they are coming back um, from battle, and here is the the scenario. Here's here's what's happening. In chapter 14, verse 17, it says, After his return from the defeat of Chandelorimah and the kings who were in him with him, the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the valley of Shevet, that is, the king's valley. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, the, by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth and blessed by God Most High who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave him a tenth of everything. And the king of Sodom said to Abraham, Give me the persons, but take the goods for yourself. But Abram said to... Him, okay, that's good. Um, he ultimately tells the king of Sodom that he took an oath that he wasn't going to take anything else, so he let the king of Sodom have that. So there's three different people in this particular passage. There's the king of Sodom, there's the king of Salem, who is Melchizedek, and then there's Abram. Um, And this is the first time in Scripture that we see a percentage given to someone. Like it, we we have, and I told you I was going to mention one other, uh, Cain and Abel, we see the giving, even way back in chapter 4, we see that giving was a regular part of the week, the year, the the calendar of God's people. Like, it was a regular part of their life. Um, But we get to Abram in here, and we see that he has taken up a vow and has given a tenth. Um, The word tenth uh, will eventually be translated into tithe. That is what tithe means um, and then but this is where I want you to make sure you're listening the entire day please okay so keep with me Um, so this is the first time we've seen a tenth in scripture it was given to who it was given to mystery Mel, who was a priest of the most high God It, it was not given to the king of Sodom it was given to the priest of the Most High God because of who he was. Um, And so uh, that is the first instance of a particular percentage given. And in this case, it was a tenth. And in the next case, it will be a tenth. And so if you'll flip on over to Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. And this is one of those stories that is in children's books. Um, This is um, Jacob's ladder. This is what is going on here. Jacob has laid his head down, and he has a dream. And we're going to pick up in verse 16. It is after the dream has happened, and here's Jacob's response to this dream. And so you can go back and read the dream and um, all the things that have happened leading up to that. Um, It's great, uh, history here. So, um, verse 16 of chapter 28. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he Had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at first. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me, and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace. Then the Lord shall be my God and and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house and all that you give me I will give a full tenth to you. So we have Jacob um, responding to this dream this this vision that God had given him and there's a lot going on here and i would encourage you to take some time and look at jacob's response and and what he is actually saying here uh, but that's not our objective this morning our objective is in response to what God had just shown him his worship led him to give freely and voluntarily and and I would like to point out that both Abram's giving and Jacob's giving um, were right here, they were not asked. God didn't call them out and say, give a tenth back or give any portion of it back. They were giving um, freely and voluntarily. And so that's what we have here. And I, I would also like to do a side note here is that the work of our hands may be the means by which God has provided, but it is God that has provided. And Jacob right here is acknowledging that. He said, all that you have given me, all that you have done for me, I'm giving to you. It is, it is all from you. And so um, I, I know that many of us struggle with um, what I have done and what can I do to, to do, to, to provide, to do. Um, and I would like for myself to be able to trust more knowing that it is God's provision and He is using maybe the work of my hands. He, he is using all of the things in my life to provide for me. Um, but it is the Lord's. And it is His provision, and so that—that's a side note. You look—you didn't even pay for that. So, um, anyway, so Jacob is acknowledging where his provision is from. He has worshipped the Lord, and out of that comes his giving. So we see now again. Um, that giving is a a regular part, even going back to Cain and Abel, we see that voluntary giving from Abram and from Jacob, um, giving to the priests of the Most High God and even giving to God himself. Um, the third place that we're going to go in Genesis is chapter 47. Keep on flipping. chapter 47. Is Joseph, and if you remember what happened with Joseph, was he got shipped off down to Egypt, and ultimately God used him to save His people out of famine. And as a result, Jacob sets up—I mean, Jacob, Joseph sets up this uh, this plan for God's people. And we're going to pick up in verse twenty-three. Then Joseph said to the people, Behold, I have this day bought you and your land for Pharaoh. Now here is seed for you, and you shall sow the land. And at the harvest you shall give a fifth to Pharaoh, and four fifths shall be your own as seed for the field and as food for yourselves and your household and food for your little ones. And they said, You have saved our lives. Yes, they acknowledged that this was good. Um, And so we see... Here in Joseph that, again, a percentage, a particular amount is actually this time asked of them. And so we are moving towards, um, we have gone from two people that we see voluntarily giving, and now we see the entire um, people of God being asked to give um, a percentage Of a certain thing Of their harvest And so um, And here it's two tenths uh, One fifth uh, To Pharaoh Back because that is who God used uh, To be able to provide for his people Um, And if we would notice also All three of these um, Were giving off of the increase And so Abram didn't give off of like he didn't go back to his house and give one chair out of ten kind of thing he didn't go and you know and i uh, I have ten kids, so you get one of them um he 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 was given off of what was in his possession at that particular moment at that particular time, and we see in joseph's um and in Israel or Jacob's uh, at the time was everything that God would provide. He would give based on that. And uh, his vow was never ending actually. Um, And so Jacob would continually give back to the Lord all that has been given. So we start to see some giving principles in Genesis. uh, But then we get to the law and these principles, principles are written down the these accounts like what is asked of God's people and they become written down and so we're going to break this into two different sections and look at underneath the law um, there are tithes which are tenths and there's going to be three of them with a possible fourth um, that's a subsection of one of them, and so, and then there's offerings and sacrifices, and so offerings and sacrifices were of the same type, like they were meat; they were cows and goats, and they were grain offerings. Um, they were bird offerings at some point. Like there, there was the same type, but it was at, for a different purpose. Um, and the first thing I'm not going to read any of this, but I would like you to flip to Leviticus and just flip through the first seven chapters of Leviticus. And if you have headings in your Bible, um, they're all going to be about burn offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings, sin offerings, um, and the offerings, uh, law and guilt offerings, And so all of those first seven chapters of Leviticus are telling the children of God about these different offerings. And in these offerings that are in Leviticus, there's no, all right, if you have ten chickens, give me two. Um, It is, if this arises in your life, then give an offering for that um when there is a need when there is sin here is the sin offering that you are to bring um and so um none of these are given based on a percentage of income these are this is not this is above the tithes that we will look at in a little bit Leviticus 1 through 7 is Definitely uh, a lengthy section about um, offerings, but a more concise look at this would be in Deuteronomy. If you want to flip on over to Deuteronomy chapter 12. And the lord is talking about worship here and i'm going to start in verse 3 12:3 3 in deuteronomy says you shall tear down their altars and dash it to pieces their pillars and burn them burn their ashram with fire you shall chop down the carved images of their gods and destroy their names out of that place. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. So he's setting up how to worship God. But you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out for all your tribes to put his name and make his inhabit- inhabitation there. There you shall go, and there you shall bring your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and the contributions that you present, your vow offerings, your free will offerings, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock. So we see a very concise group of giving back to the Lord. Uh, And there's he goes through different types of offerings. He talks about sacrifices. He talks about free will offerings um, and even... The, the worship of giving of your firstborn of your herds and so this is all about worship like this particular passage is all about how you should properly worship the Lord and so I want to make sure that we are hearing that um, the giving of God's people is ultimately about the Lord not about you. So. We come in here every week to worship. And we state it this way that we are here to worship God. OK. If we are here to worship God, then the giving of God's people is about him. It is it is in worship to him. So. We have this total giving, this offerings and sacrifices, but then there's this word tithes, and for us to really understand what I want to get to later in Hebrews, um, I think we need to at least mention all three of these tithes. Um, So if you want to turn to Numbers, if you want to just listen, that's fine too. But Numbers 18 21 through 24 says, "...to the Levites I have given every tithe in Israel for an inheritance in return for their service that they do, their service in the tent of meeting, so that the people of Israel do not come near the tent of meeting, lest they bear sin and die." But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting and they shall bear their iniquities. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout your generations and among the people that they shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the people of Israel, which they present as a contribution to the Lord, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore, I said to them, they shall have no inheritance among the people of Israel. So the tribe of Levi, The Levites were the priests. Now, all priests were Levites, but not all Levites were priests. But that is, the the line of Aaron would be priests. But they did not get a portion when they were giving out all the land. And so the Lord has seen fit to give... To provide for them through the tithes of God's people, and so um, that's what it was talking about. Is like you don't have an inheritance; you're not you're not getting this land; you're not doing this. So here's how you're going to be provided for. And so every year there would be tithing to the Levites; they would get the tithe. And so I said something about the maybe the fourth tithe the Levites actually were supposed to take a tenth of that and give to the priest so the subgroup inside of their their family inside of their tribe and so some people would call that a fourth tithe but it was not given by the people of God it was actually given after they gave their tithe the Levites would take a tenth and give it to the priest and so the first tithe that we see is to the Levites to the priests, or for the Levites and the priests, there actually all of these are going to go through the Levites in some form. The second one might actually surprise you because um, it's it's kind of odd. It's not what we think about giving, um, and we're gonna we're gonna see both the next ones back to back. So we're not gonna have to flip again for just a little bit. But Deuteronomy chapter fourteen. We actually see all three tithes in this passage. Um, the Levite tithe just gets a little one sentence uh, in verse twenty-two. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, um, and so that is what they were tithing on. They were they were tithing on the produce of their fields, their grain, their their harvest, and so and then twenty-three starts. The second tithe. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain and your wine and of your oil and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you so that you are not able to carry the tithe, then the Lord your God bless you. "...because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses, to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money, bind it up, bind up the money in your hand, and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses, and spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever appetite you crave. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice and you and your household." And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your town, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. All right, so here's what is happening here. And I would invite you to go read chapter 12 of Deuteronomy later today, chapter 16 of Deuteronomy later today. Um, but there are three feasts, and I promise this is getting somewhere. This is like my head swimming. My head's been swimming for Like 72 hours on this Um, There are three feasts And they were asked to tithe To all of those So they were supposed to bring a tenth To the feast But not to offer up As a sacrifice before the Lord It was so that they would Celebrate they were supposed to bring this. They were supposed to eat it. They were supposed to share it with the Levites. It was all going through the Levite. This is how the Levites celebrated. When they got to the these feasts and the celebration, remembrance of what the Lord had done, it was for their good. And so they were asked to bring this, and they would all celebrate together. Um, not exactly how we view giving today. Like We don't say, hey, I'm giving, and I'm going to eat my giving. Like, that doesn't make sense, right? That's that's not, it's not right. I, I'm not, like, bringing my tithe to the church and saying, all right, well, I actually do get some because y'all pay me. But that's not exactly what I think uh, when I bring my tithe to the church. I'm not thinking, hey, I'm bringing this so that I can eat. Um, I, I'm not doing this so that I can celebrate. Um, and so this is um, a very unique Uh, Thing that I, I believe that some overlook is that the Lord has called His people to take care of the priest. He has also called His people to remember all that He has done. And He is providing for that. He's providing for a way for them to remember and celebrate what God has done in their life. And then the last of... Those is in verses twenty-eight and twenty-nine. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithes of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or look, they're like going over this overboard. They have. We get it, Levites. You have no inheritance. Um, you have no portion or inheritance with you. So the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do and so we see that um, so every year they would bring a tenth to the Levites every year they would bring a tenth to the celebrations and these feasts and then every third year they would be giving a tenth to the poor it was the, the poor tithe um, and so for the sojourner the fatherless the widow Um, And yes, the no-inheritance Levites would also get a piece of that. Um, And so they were taken care of. And this was a way that the Lord chose to take care of all of his people. Um, And so um, that's a broad overview of giving. We have three different kinds of tithes, maybe a fourth if you consider that one. We see that there's all kinds of other giving outside of the actual percentage ties. that we, we see that there's offerings and sacrifices. It's everywhere. And we see that there was, even before the law, there was a part of God's people that were looking to give. Uh, it, was, it was not um, mandated on them, but yet they gave uh, because of what the Lord had done for them. And so we take that into Christian giving. And what does that mean for us on this side of the cross? Are we to give 30, 40, 50% of our income every year or every third year or are we To also offer up sacrifices? Well, I think we've made that abundantly clear. No. Um, Are we to be at every turn giving up another offering for a different aspect of life? Is there for this type of sin or this type of activity? Well, let's look at how our Lord and Savior Handles a couple of situations. If you would, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 23 and then immediately following that, Luke chapter 18. We're going to handle these at the same time because they deal with a similar aspect of giving. So in Matthew chapter 23, um, Christ is giving it to the Pharisees. That's to say it lightly. And one little nugget here in verse 23. So chapter 23, verse 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and deal and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of justice. A weightier matters of law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These all to have been done without neglecting the other. You blind guides straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Bro. Um, yes. So he's telling them they're squeezing out a gnat and swallowing a camel. And then I don't know that much about cooking. just don't but i have seen mint and dill and cumin it's pretty light comes in a little jar for the most part for me i'm sure some of you actually grow some but it's it's really light and our our lord and savior actually uses um a a pretty good kickback here it says you've neglected the weightier matters of life he's used possibly the the lightest produce you could find uh, to, to talk to these people um, he's like okay these herbs you're you're you've got your tenth down to even the little things that you're growing in your windowsill you, you're, you're given a tenth on on that little thing but you've neglected the heart of what is happening in our world you you've Overlook justice and mercy and faithfulness. And so, as we look at that, I I want us to also look at Luke chapter 18. And this is a little parable given, um, and we're going to start in verse 10. The tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And we see this picture of, again, Christ hitting on the religious saying look i'm not like these other people i even fast twice a week i tithe on everything well the law didn't say that he had to fast twice a week the law definitely didn't say that he had to give on everything as we've mentioned um and he's He's trying to stand before the Lord justified. He is, he is using his self-righteousness to stand before the Lord justified. And he's trying to point it out in front of and publicly um, in the house of God. And so we see in these two instances of what Christ is trying to tell us and, and one of the and there's a lot that we could gather from this, but in the realm of giving we see that Christian giving is a heart issue it is primarily and firstly a heart issue it is about if we went all the way back to Cain and Abel and we looked at their giving there was not a big difference. Like we can talk about. If there was something. If he gave this or that. But they gave. And it was not. Satisfactory before the Lord. And ultimately. We see that the heart of man. Prevailed. And a brother was killed. In. Now we. We get to the Pharisees. To, who are trying to go. Above the law, outside of the law, trying to keep the the aspects of the law that they they feel like they could check off and that they could show. And yet their hearts were evil and wicked. Christian giving is first and foremost, a heart issue. Now, a very familiar passage to many. In Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 41, And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which makes a penny. And he called his disciples to him saying, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box for they all contributed out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. And so. We've seen this. um, The heart of giving. And that the Lord actually is looking to the heart. And then we see our Lord and Savior sitting and seeing this widow give basically everything she had. Um, the, The money she had was given over to God's service. And so what I would like us to also see here is that Christian giving is... Not about an amount. Now that probably says, okay, I, I get that. Like, if Joe on one hand has a lot more, he should give a lot more, right? And if this person over here has less, they, they should give less. I, yes, but... That's not what I'm actually saying. I'm I'm saying that when you stand before God, when you are praying to God, when you are seeking out the Lord, when you are living out the gospel that you've been entrusted with. It is not you're not trying to live up to a certain financial standard within your own means. It's not if I get to this, then I'm good. It's not if, if I could just do another dollar or another percentage or whatever the case. Our giving is not about the amount. It is about us seeking after the Lord. We've already mentioned that Jacob gave out of worship. We come in here to to worship. Today, it is about worshiping our God, and it is not about an offering plate. I don't really care if you put anything in the offering plate. But I do care about your souls. I do care that you are seeking after the Lord. I do care that you are looking to him and trusting him even in your finances i pray that you are looking um at others around you and their needs i pray that you are looking to what is happening in the world around us and the need for the gospel to go forth there and that the overflow of your heart just is naturally inclined to be a sacrificial giver And that brings us to a passage that we have actually dealt all thoroughly here at North Hills, but Hebrews. I would like to read like four chapters of this, but I'll refrain. Um, There's a, a lot, and I'll once again invite you to go back and listen to some of these Hebrew sermons that we had I don't know three, two, one year ago I don't know how long ago um, but let's read I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick out some we're going to start in chapter 6 <coughs> and we're going to end in chapter 10 but we're not going to read all that I promise alright in Chapter six and verse in chapter seven, we're going to see Melchizedek again, um, but nineteen and twenty, I'm going to read starting in verse nineteen of chapter six and a couple of verses in chapter seven. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters into the inner place beyond the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. Okay, moving down to verse 6. But this man, who does not have a descendant... let talking talk about Melchizedek. But this man, who does not have his descendant from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, and we're talking about the Levites there, the mortal men. But in the other case by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. And so we begin to see what the author of Hebrews is, uh, is laying down here. and um, And he uses Melchizedek, um, to, to point us to Christ and who Christ is and the fact that Christ is our high priest. And so, moving on, verse 26. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifice. He has no need. He he. he didn't not have an inheritance he didn't need people to bring him food he has no need like those other high priests to offer sacrifices daily first of his own sin and then of those of the people since he did this once for all when he offered up himself did you get that he, We no longer need sacrifices because Christ is our once-for-all sacrifice. He has done it once. We do not need to bring any more bulls, rams, goats, wheat, barley, thyme, or mint, or dill, or anything to put on the altar for our sins because Christ has done that. For the law appoints men in their weakness as high priests, but the world... The word of the oath, which came later, appoints a son who has been made perfect forever. Christ is our high priest. He is the one in which we are coming to for uh, the forgiveness of sins. There is no more offering for your sin. You can't give enough to do that you can't put that here on the we're not going to start a light and a fire right here to burn this before the Lord it is not a part of Christian worship to burn and give sacrifices it is a part of Christian giving to give to the one who has given all for us Christian giving is not a tithe to the priest We have no we have a high priest who is not in need any longer. It's not for the feast. We come and we will feast today as we come to the Lord's table and we remember what Christ has done for us. It's not even a tithe to the poor. It's not a sacrifice that makes us right before God. It's not an offering to appease God until the next chance that we get to give. Our giving is an act of worship before our God. And I told you we were going to end there, and we will, in 2 Corinthians. Everybody says Amen. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8, backing up a little bit from what we read before. Paul is asking the church to to give to the believers in Jerusalem, to the Christians in Jerusalem. and he's, He's making ready the people to give this gift to them. And starting in verse 8 of chapter 8, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of your Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich." In this manner, I give my judgment that benefits you who a year ago started not only to do this work, to to give this money, but also to desire to do it. So now finish doing it well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by your completing it out of what you have. For if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be Eased and you burden, but that as a matter of fairness, your abundance at the present time should supply their need, so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness, as it is written, Whoever gathered much has nothing left, and whoever gathers little has no lack. And then moving back over into chapter 9. Um, I will read probably the start at verse 10. And he who supplies, we've read this, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God for the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God by their approval of this It is because of the submission that comes from your confession of the gospel. That is what the Christians in Jerusalem were seeing because of the gift that was being given to them. They were seeing the gospel because of their gifts, because of what The church was giving, and as we give as Christians, it is an expression of the gospel. It is the gospel going forth in our lives. We are worshiping God, and thanks be to God for His gift, His one and only Son, who has come and died a perfect gift, so He is our high priest. There is no need for another. It is Christ and Him alone Our great high priest has no needs like the Levites. The people of God no longer need sin offerings to pay penalties. We give not because it is demanded of us, but because Christ has purchased us by his blood. Christians, we should love to give generously and sacrificially because of the cross of Christ, not reluctantly or out of obligation and definitely not in the hopes of gaining anything from it. Our reward is Christ. Him crucified. Confess the gospel that you've been entrusted with until he takes you home. Let's pray. Father, this morning we have come to look to you, to trust you, just as Emma has proclaimed in baptism. That her, her trust, and faith is in you. God, may every aspect of our life proclaim that. May everything in our life proclaim that we are trusting in the one who has saved us. Father, this morning I, I pray that... Um, we didn't get lost in flipping pages and um, and reading Uh, i I pray that um, we look to the one who has come and who is our high priest and we worship him that we no longer need a sacrifice we no longer need to to burn our offerings Father, because of Jesus, we can stand before you as one who has an inheritance. Father, this morning, as we remember what Christ has done for us, God, may you continually bring that to our hearts and our minds. And may it come out in us. May the gospel go forth in our lives, in our giving, and in our speech, in every aspect of it. It's in your son's name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.